Hallelujah. Well, listen, it is time for the word of God. Amen. Amen. I want to introduce to you and a, a, a young man. <laughs> He's older than me, though. It's not as young. <laughs> uh, it was a few weeks, a few months ago that we had a random encounter <laughs> where, where I met Raymond and Brooke and we, we met because we were in a meeting for, for one thing, for, for this thing that we were, we're looking to be a part of and as leaders and, and things of that nature. And, uh, and things, you know, things always happen the way they happen. But we always say to one another that we believe that we came together in that meeting to connect with one another. They pastor a powerful church here in the city of Orlando and uh it's in Apopka right you're in Apopka in Castleberry in Castleberry they're right down the road on 436 and uh and I'm just so glad over the last few months that me and Raymond have been able to build uh they have a testimony they uh they've been anointed by awesome men of God uh the late the great Miles Monroe has, has laid hands on this man. I don't know if he was going to say it, but I'm going to say it um, because it does matter where you come from. Amen. You know, the, it does matter sometimes. Amen. Amen. That uh, they come from great leadership and, uh, and it's a blessing. So we're just excited to have them. Amen. Can we all stand? Can we all stand and just honor the Lord for this amazing gift of God? Pastor Raymond Aeneas as he comes at this time. Hallelujah. Is everybody blessed in the house right now? Amen and amen. Let me just get this up and running for you guys here. How many of you guys enjoyed the worship today? You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing like the presence of God. And when the presence of God shows up, you don't need to hear me. You don't need to hear Pastor George. We just need to hear the voice of God. Amen. And so the most important part of a service is not your pastor preaching. The most important part of the service is when you hear the voice of God. Amen? Now you can hear it during the worship. You can hear it during the message. But the most important thing is to hear the voice of God. Because if you don't hear his voice, you just wasted your time. And so I want to encourage you in your walk and in your assignment to pursue the voice and the heart of God. Because all the other fluff all around that don't matter if you're not hearing his voice and his heart. That's what you're after. This is why David was so great because he was a man after God's what? Heart. And I think in churches and in the body of Christ, we are missing it because... We are running after the crowds. We are running after how, how good we can sound. We are running after how good we can preach. And still we're missing it. But at the end of the day, when all of the smoke is cleared, the question always remains, what is it that you heard from God? And if you did hear from him, are you doing what he told you to do? That's what this life is all about. If you make it about anything else, you have missed the kingdom of God. And if you remember anything that I say to you, 
for the whole time that I'm here, is that one thing. You after the voice of God and the heart of God. Amen? Amen. Come y'all give God glory in the house. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. Have your way in and through us today. You increase, O oh Lord God. And right now, I decrease. We all decrease in this place. We decrease so that we can increase in you, Lord. So have your way in and through us. In Jesus' matchless and holy name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody put a smile on your face. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. First and foremost, I would like to honor the man and woman of this house, Pastor George and the Frey. Come on, give them a round of applause for doing such a wonderful work. You know, we started our church about two years, a little over two years ago. And I want to encourage you people here and remind you that God makes a big deal out of small things. You may look around and say, we're small right now. Don't compare with anybody else. God loves small things. Because sometimes when your head gets too big, you don't listen to God. So the vision is yet for a point of time is what I'm saying. And God wants to work in this vision. So stay put. Stay connected to your leaders. And trust God in the process. See, because what God is going to do for you while you're small, he's going he's to help you to grow. And he's going to help you to process right. He's going to help you to grow right. And sometimes when you get big too fast, you don't grow right. If you dropped out of your mother's womb at the age of 12, there's a problem. Anybody with me? There is a process. You got to come out a baby and doodle and mess up the place and do all this other stuff and make some mistakes. And understand that I made these mistakes, but I can't fix them, but I know a God that can fix it. See, it teaches you to learn God. Everybody wants big, but they don't know the pressure of big. You got to grow into big. Because it's a process. And you learn everything that God wants you to learn in the process. So everybody say, thank God for the process. So I acknowledge Pastor George and Pastor Nefray here. Just a wonderful, wonderful couple. Um, Pastor George was telling the story about how we met. I mean, we went to that meeting and I don't think the meeting had anything to do with anything. I think God just had us to be there to meet because, you know, we still have some things and some stories we're trying to deal with concerning that meeting anyway. But we looked at each other and we said, man, I believe God brought me here just to meet you. <laughs> and so be it. And um, so Pastor George and uh, Pastor Afraid are going to be at our church next week. Everybody say next week. Everybody say I'm coming. Okay. So you got, you got to be with your pastor. You got to follow him. Don't, don't be like the disciples when you look around. The Bible say all of his disciples abandon him. Amen. See, some of my people are here now. My beautiful wife is here. The jiggle in my wiggle, I call her. <laughs> the, 
the marrow in my bone. She's here today. And my mother, my father-in-law is here. Mr. and Mrs. Francis, Reverend Francis. Our worship leader is here, Tracy Clark. Amen. You got our, our money man here, Mr. Mike Eason and, our, and his wife, our super kids, General, his wife, uh, Tanisha. And we got Michelle. Where's Michelle? She's here as well. She's working. She's always working. Amen. And we also have Shanika, our administrator. Come on, y'all, give them a round of applause. And we didn't manip manipulate them or put pressure on them to be here, just so y'all know. They came on their own initiative. Amen? And so what I want to talk to you about today is one of the most important messages that I believe is very dear to my heart. And it should be dear to everybody else's heart in the body of Christ. But obviously, it's a lost is a lost message, and it was the message that Jesus focused on more than anything. If you read the four Gospels, the major focus of Jesus Christ was the kingdom of God. And we preach all kinds of stuff, but never focus on the kingdom of God. So we have lost the authentic message of what Jesus really wants us to speak. And so I want to talk to you today about the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. And my topic today is the power of understanding the kingdom. Understanding God's original intent. Because if you don't understand God's original intent, you would miss what God's re God really wants. And what we have to understand is that the greatest miracle is not when you get healed from cancer. It's not when a blind man could see again. The greatest miracle is not when you have an infirmity and that infirmity is healed by somebody who has the gift of healing. The greatest miracle is not when your leg is cut off and you lost it while you were serving in the military on the, on the battlefield and all of a sudden the miracle grows your leg back. Those are amazing miracles, but none of those things could ever be the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is not when you got married to your wife or your spouse or when you have a child because you know when you have a baby, at that moment, you know, do you know that you're in between life and death? It's an amazing miracle just to have a child. Congratulations, by the way, to our pastors who just had their newborn baby. But as beautiful as that is, as beautiful as it is for you to have a baby, could you imagine you go in the room with two people and come out with three or four? You understand what I'm saying? It's a miracle in itself. But none of those things are the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is the changing of your mind. Because when your mind changes, God can do what he wants to do with you. Because you can receive a miracle and your mind don't change. You can receive a miracle and still go to hell. You can receive a miracle and still be buried in the desert like the people of Israel. Who saw more miracles than they did? They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw all kinds of miracles, but still they didn't change their mind. And if God can't get to your mind, God will eventually bury you in the desert. So what you want is the greatest miracle to happen in your life. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 20, he says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. In other words, right, the most miracles that Jesus did in this town, the people still not re didn't repent. They saw the power of God. They saw the actions of God. They saw the miracle of God. They saw the love of God and still they didn't change their mind. Until God can change your mind, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to take place 
as to what God has for you at a greater level. So everybody say, I'm about to change my mind. This is why the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. God is after your mind. And if you let Satan control your mind, he'll control your life. He'll control your destiny. He'll control everything. But if God gets in your mind, look out. You got the most powerful being that you could ever be on the face of the earth. You have to be transformed. You have to watch Optimus Prime. You have to watch Bumblebee and act like those guys. You have to become a transformer. Do something. Move. Change something. Wiggle something. Do something so God can get to you. You have to understand that you're more than meets the eye. Everybody say more than meets the eye. People look at you and they see what they see. But you're more than what you can even see in the mirror. See, because if you start to transform the way God wants you to transform, he's going to turn you into something special. He's going to turn you into something amazing. He's going to turn you into something that's extraordinary. And the reason why the enemy doesn't want you to change your mind because he wants you to be stupid like him. Jesus was focused on the kingdom. And we have to understand, if we don't focus on the kingdom, what did he say? He said, seek ye first. Everybody say first. The kingdom of God and everything that you need shall be added unto you. So what did God do? God made life simple for us. God reduced life down to doing two simple things. Seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And he said, if you do that, you'll be successful. Everything that you need is added unto you. But the devil doesn't want you to hear the message of the kingdom. He don't want pastors to focus on preaching the message of the kingdom. Because he knows that when they hear the message of the kingdom, the same message that Jesus was preaching, he knows they're going to be transformed on a level that God needs them to be transformed. And so the devil is always watching every time your pastor begins to teach about the kingdom. And, uh, and, and he's watching and the devil himself shows up when the kingdom is preached. You can preach about healing. You can preach about your finances. You can preach about all that stuff. The devil don't care. You know why the devil don't care when you preach about money? Because he knows eventually money is easy to become your God. God said there's only two God, God and money, and he didn't even mention the devil. In other words, he made money more powerful than the devil. But Satan is always watching for when the message of the kingdom is preached. And now because I'm preaching the message of the kingdom, the devil is right in this room right now. Don't get afraid. Because you have to remember that you are more powerful than he is. He is right in this room because the message of the kingdom is being preached. And if you don't believe me, let me prove it to you. In Matthew 13 and 19 it says, When anyone hears the message about what? The kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What was sown in their heart? This is the seed that was sown along the path. In other words, right? It says the evil one comes. In other words, Satan don't send a, a demon. He don't send a sergeant general. It says he comes himself when the message of the kingdom is preached. You know what that means? He's afraid of you. So he's right in here. Everybody say, Satan, chill out. Satan, chill out. I'm about to get this for myself. And after I get this, you can't stop me, right? You see, the lack of understanding is what makes us victims of robbery. It says Satan comes himself. The evil one comes to steal or to snatch it away from you. If we don't understand that the kingdom is what God wants us to understand, the devil can steal it from you. 
The most powerful weapon that you have is the weapon of the message of the kingdom. That's what Satan is always trying to get from you. Because if you understand the kingdom, he's trying to come and take it away from you. In Proverbs 4 and 7 it says, the beginning of wisdom is, is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all that you have, get understanding. If it costs you everything you have, it's more important for you to get understanding. Pastor George talked about it. You see, we give money because we want money back. What you need is understanding. He said, what you need is what? Wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is understanding applied. And you can't get wisdom any place else on earth. You only could get wisdom from the throne of God. And this is why you need to be after his heart. He said, of course, you everything you have, get understanding. If you got your last $5, you can't let Colonel Sanders fool you into a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken. You need to spend it on a book. So Jesus talks about the kingdom. But to some of us, what is the kingdom? Is it a fantasy? Is something that we just conjure up and talk about? Is it in the Bible so much times because God just wants a word to say? Why are we missing it so much? Within our DNA, within, within, our, within our mind, within, within us, there is this hunger for kingdoms. There's something inside of you that always wants to feel like a queen. Answer me, women. Am I right or am I wrong? The minute somebody violates that, you get upset. You get frustrated because there's something inside of you that wants to be treated like a queen. Every man in here wants to be treated like a king. Do you know why? Because in every one of us is the DNA of a kingdom mandate. Do you know why some of, so many of us love Disney? Think about it. Listen, over 30 million visitors every year come to Disney World. Or magic, what we call it. Everybody say magic kingdom. Now, this ain't no magic. The kingdom of God is no magic. But we run after a little... Mice with big ears more than we went after God. Every year, 30 million people. But deep within our DNA, there's an extraordinary burning desire for a constant kingdom experience. Everybody say, I want the kingdom. Even, you, even, even when you don't know you want it, you still want it. That's why the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violent... What that scripture mean? That scripture doesn't mean you out there fighting some demons. That ain't what that's talking about. We demonize everything. Demons be laughing at you and going to God and say, they blaming me for this. No, that scripture's talking about there's something inside of you that wants the kingdom and you don't even realize it. Over 30 million people every year to this place and it's going up. Why? Because we want a constant kingdom experience in our life. And everywhere we go, we want we want majestic. We want opulence. Why? Because we want to feel like kings and queens. You love it when they call you King George. King George III. You love it when they call you King Tracy of Portafor, whatever place you're from. You love it when they call you King Julius, the Chancellor. You love it. You love it. Why? Because God put that in you. There's nothing wrong with it. I remember when I was in Amsterdam, they said, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go and visit the Queen's Castle. Now, 
when I got there, I'm like, this ain't really doing nothing for me, this building, but I want to see it anyway. Because I wanted to understand and see something about the kingdom. Wherever I go, it's a natural phenomenon that's on the inside of us. And you see, once we begin to understand what God is trying to say and do through us, then you will begin to act out exactly what he says. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. If you understand, you see, you have to seek what's already in you. Do you know where the Bible says the kingdom is for believers? Where it says, it says the kingdom of God is in you. So God put your success right under your nose and you don't even realize it. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need shall be added unto you. You're looking for people to give you success? It's right under your nose. You got to sniff it out. So what was the purpose of Christ? What is the ultimate purpose of Christ? Could it be that the purpose of Christ is grossly misunderstood? I believe it's grossly misunderstood. And Jesus was very clear as to what his purpose was. My spiritual father always said this. He says, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. That's why there's so much abuse in churches. Because we don't even understand the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to get people back to the kingdom of God. Not back to building your big buildings. Not back to all this stuff that we make it. It's to get people back to the kingdom of God. The Bible says that, you know, Jesus came and the government was on his shoulder. So Jesus didn't come just to bring you little, a little salvation. That's, that's below your pay grade. He came to bring you back a kingdom or an entire government. Because the kingdom of God is a government. The kingdom of God is a country. Everybody say a country. Just like you are from the United States of America, you are from a different country other than the United States of America, which is the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says that you were what? In this world, but not of this world. You are not from here. Tell somebody I'm an alien. Y'all looking for aliens? Go look in the mirror. There's one right there. Right in your face. So he says where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Now, Jesus was very clear as to what his purpose was. Let's look at what his purpose was. In Luke chapter 4, verse 40 through 43, it says, While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And laying his hands on each of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the son of God, but rebuking them. He would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. Now watch this now. When they came, Jesus left and went to a secret place and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also for that was the purpose for why I was sent. Jesus made it very clear what his purpose was. If you stop at just Jesus' blood, you're in trouble. If you stop at this cross, you're in trouble. All of that is a means to an end. All of that is trying to get you back to the kingdom. All of that is trying to get you back to the way it was in the garden before man sinned. You know, if Adam didn't sin, if he didn't eat the fruit, there would be no need for all of this. I mean, no need for no pastors and preachers. We, we brag about the five-fold ministry. Need, no need for none of that. 
your plan B? <laughs> you know, when, you, when, you, when you think you're all about it, you have to remember you just plan B. You think you got it going on so much? Look at the person and say, I'm, I'm plan B. Every person need to understand, it ain't about you, brother. I'm plan B. You just plan B. Because if the, if, 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 if the sins didn't happen in the garden, there would be no need for us. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Come on, y'all give God a round of applause in the house, man. <laughs> but at least God got a plan for you, even though you be, right? Amen. Come on. <laughs> so where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So understanding, now Jesus made it clear what his purpose is. So understanding why he came is more important than focusing on what he did. We focus on he died for our sins. Great. Stop doing wrong and he didn't have to die for your sins. He focused on all these things. But why he came? Why is more important than what? You know that? Why he came is more important than what he did. Okay, for example, if somebody commits murder, right? We want to know the motivation behind the murder before we press charges. Am I right or am I wrong? So we want to know whether it's a first degree, second degree, or third degree murder. Do you know why? Because the motivation gives us the reason why. So even though it's a gruesome murder, even though it's a murder, the murder is the what? But depending on the why is how you get sentenced. So grace, the cross, healing, all of this stuff is a means to an end. Everybody say means to an end. Why did Jesus come? Tell me. Y'all talk to me. To bring the kingdom of God. Preach the kingdom. That was his purpose. So why was his purpose to preach the kingdom of God? Because what we lost is greater than our own existence. That's why. What we lost is greater than our own existence. And there are some things that you didn't lose. You didn't lose your religion. You didn't lose your Baptist. You didn't lose your charismatic. You didn't lose your Anglican. You didn't lose none of that. What you lost was the kingdom of God. And that's what he came to bring back. And we're focusing on things that we never lost. We're focusing on traditions that God is not interested in. God doesn't care whether you're Baptist, charismatic, Pentecostal, none of that. He only cares, are you a man after my own heart? Are you seeking the kingdom? That's what he cares about. So because of that, it doesn't matter what you are. I'm still going to love you the same. If you're Baptist, charismatic, whatever you may be, I love you the same because we are one family. So at the end of the day, when we look at all of creations, if you look at it closely, what you're going to discover is that life is all about kingdoms. All about kingdoms. Okay, everything we do or get involved in is involved in some kind of kingdom. Okay, we got what? The plant kingdom. You eating plants all the time. You're talking about you want vegetables? You're messing with the kingdom. Some of you are getting ready to go here and eat a big pig or some ham or whatever. You're messing with the animal kingdom. You're messing with the kingdom. When you eat, you're messing with a kingdom. When you sleep, you're messing with a kingdom. Everything is about kingdoms. There are six kingdoms that, that, that we know about. And it's called the Linnaean system of classification. How many of you are familiar with that? We got any scientists, people in here? Some people who did biology, right? And, and in these six kingdoms, we got the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the protists, the fungi, the bacteria. And we got all of these different kingdoms, yeah, yeah. right? So God designed everything about kingdoms. 
And this guy, he was able to identify all six of these kingdoms, but he missed the most important kingdom. He didn't even mention the kingdom of God, which is the seven kingdom. And seven is what? Perfection. So you can go through all these other kingdoms in all kind of different ways. You build your house, you need a kingdom to build your house. Because you got to go to the plant kingdom to get wood. You got to go to the, to the earth to get iron ore. Whatever you do involves some kind of kingdom. So he missed. He was a smart guy. Everybody said, this guy is so smart. He discovered all this stuff. But listen, no matter how smart you may be, if, it doesn't matter if you miss the kingdom of God. So he discovered all these kingdoms and didn't find the kingdom. Dangerous. Everybody say dangerous. So God gave man the kingdom to rule other kingdoms. It says in Genesis 1 and 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that crawls upon the earth. So over all of these kingdoms. Now, in that scripture, all of those kingdoms that this guy discovered, God said, you rule over all of that. He says, you from my kingdom, so you rule over all of those kingdoms. You rule over. The, that's why, even though the lion is the king of the jumble, you can put a lion in a cage. You can rule over all the kingdoms. Have dominion. Dominion is the same word, kingdom, when you look at the Hebrew context of it. In other words, he says, let us make man and let them have kingdom over everything. Let them be the kingdom over everything else. Let them be the ultimate kingdom over everything else. But what is happening in our world today is we have an upside-down effect. Everybody say an upside-down effect. Because what we are supposed to be ruling over is ruling over us. What do you call a plant or a marijuana or somebody who is addicted to marijuana? Marijuana is a plant. If marijuana is controlling your life, a plant is controlling you. That's an upside-down effect. If alcohol is controlling your life and you're addicted to alcohol... That's an upside. The things that we're supposed to be ruling are ruling us. Yeah. Now let's try this one. What is money? Money is made from what? A tree. Do you know that trees are ruling more men than anything else? Think about all the stupid things we do. It's because of trees. We kill people for money. We drink alcohol and abuse our, our spouses and our children. Trees are controlling us when we are supposed to be controlling everything else. It's an upside-down effect. And God wants to turn everything right side up. So you got to let every God turn it right side up. Because at, at this point, only God can do it. That's why it says, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. you got to allow the spirit of God to enter your life and turn everything right side up. Everybody say, right side up, Lord. In Matthew 4 and 7, Jesus said, from that time on, Jesus begins to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Matthew chapter 6, 31 to 33, he says, do not worry saying what you shall eat or what you shall wear or what you shall drink. For pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all that these things will be added unto you. In other words, God's system of increase is the kingdom of God. If you want increase, stop talking about it and seek the kingdom. That's how you get increase. That's how you do it. And he said, look, God knows what you need. He knows. Let me tell you, God knows what you need. And believe it or not, 
He's already put it in place. The problem is you look in the wrong place for it. He said, if you, if you need this, go seek the kingdom. That's all. You look in the wrong place. You're looking, in, you're looking for people. You're looking for jobs. You're looking for all this stuff. God said, you go look in the kingdom. You'll find it. God, God loves you so much, he's already put it there for you. You just look in the wrong place. It's like he tells you where the treasure is, and you go make up your own map and start going in the wrong direction. He knows what you need. So what is the kingdom? Is it a myth, a religious experience? Is it a place only for the rich? Because we remember clearly with Lazarus and the rich man, he ended up in hell begging to get in the kingdom. So it cannot be only for the rich. Is it just a place for the poor? Well, from the last time I checked, there was gold on the streets. So it can't be just a place for the poor. Or is it just for religious fools posturing? What is this kingdom? Is it just a myth? When is it going to be real to us that we're going to pursue it with everything on the inside of us? When, it gonna, when is it going to become a revelation for us? And to understand what the kingdom is, we have to understand what it's not. The Bible tells you what it's not. And it's important to know what something is not in order to discover what it really is. Listen, in 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, it says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So it's not you talking and yapping about what you're going to do. That's not the kingdom of God. It tells you what it's not. It also says in Romans 14 and 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But righteousness and peace, now some of y'all want to eat and drink right now. Y'all say, Pastor, hurry, finish up, finish up your preaching. We got some, some food to eat. We got to go eat some jerk chicken, some jerk pork, whatever. Whatever you got. Some of y'all thinking about eating and drinking. But he said, it's not that. What you got in your mind right now? He said, it ain't that. Say, it ain't that, brother. Say, it ain't that, sister. It's not that. He said, go eat some righteousness. He said, go find some, make peace with the people who you've been messing up with. He said, go spend some time with the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Everybody say wrong focus. Is this good for you all? <laughs> so let me tell you what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a government with God's precepts, his concepts being established by his laws and statutes producing his desired lifestyle, culture, and blessing in righteous citizens through whom he can demonstrate his love, his power, his rule, his rulership, his plans, and his divine purpose. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it simply means you would not have a relationship with the kingdom. No Holy Spirit, no kingdom. It's as simple as that. Because the Holy Spirit is the embodiment of the kingdom. It says righteousness, peace, and joy where? In the Holy Spirit. So if you ain't in the Spirit, you ain't in the kingdom. Simple as that. You got to decide whether you're going to be a glutton or whether you want revelation. You know, it's proven that we spend more time thinking about food than most things. What are we going to eat for breakfast? We wake up, breakfast. Oh, after breakfast, what are we going to eat for lunch? So when you finish lunch, what are we going to get for dinner? Imagine if you could put that passion behind God's kingdom. 
Imagine what your life would be like. Amen? Hmm. So let's understand. And I know I don't have a lot of time because this is like a two, three-hour teaching. But I know we are limited with our time here today. But I just want to go through a few stuff. Everybody say the kingdom is a country. The kingdom is a country. You have to, if you understand anything, you have to understand that the kingdom of God is a country. Is a country. Just like the United States of America have a president and have a congress. It's a country. But the only thing about the kingdom is, in the kingdom of God, there's no votes. Okay. You can control your president. You can get rid of him after every four years. But you cannot get rid of God. You cannot vote God out. You can vote out President Obama. You can vote out President Donald Trump. You can vote out whoever come after, but you cannot vote God out. This is a different kind of country. So it's a country. And just like our country, the United States of America, have laws and constitution, a constitution, the kingdom of God has its constitution. It's the 66 books of the Bible. That's why I said you have to be a living epistle. You have, in other words, right, in order to be a living epistle, you have to know the constitution. The problem is we go in the court of law when it relates to the kingdom, and we don't know what's the laws. And so when you don't know the laws, the devil now, because the Bible says he is an accuser of what? The brethren. You don't know the laws. You're talking about hallelujah, praise the Lord. See where that going to get you. Right in jail. Maximum security. And with this constitution, the laws cannot be amended. He said, heaven and night will pass away, but my laws are going to be here forever. You can't amend God's laws. You can do what you want to do, but you can't amend his laws. The kingdom, it's a country. It also has a native language. Just like our native language is yes, English, the kingdom of God has a native language. A language only the citizens can understand. The devil can't understand the language. And it's the language of tongues. That's why it's important for you to pursue the gift of tongues. That's why there's interpretation of tongues. Because we have our own language in the kingdom of God. Each and every one of us have dual citizenship. Listen. Your native language... It's powerful because you can communicate with the king and get instructions that never can be interfered. It's encrypted only between you and the spirit of God. Every country has citizens. And the Bible actually describes us as citizens of the kingdom of God. It tells you that in the Bible. Every country has cultures and values. There's a certain way we're supposed to act. There's a certain culture we're supposed to present. The Bible says, don't even let this stuff be mentioned among you. Why? It's talking about we are supposed to demonstrate a particular culture. We're supposed to have certain values. Certain things shouldn't even be mentioned among us. Because we are a peculiar people. The Bible says, the kingdom of God has its own territory. Heaven and earth, the entire universe. The Bible says, the earth is what? The Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns everything. So when you think you own your little piece of five-acre property, you're just borrowing that. You better recognize. And if you don't honor God with that little piece of property that you got, your little five, ten acres, twenty acres, you don't honor God with that, you have to, he'll make you remember quickly that you're just borrowing that. Because it don't belong to you really. 
and the kingdom of God has its own economy where there's not enough room to receive. You know what's interesting about people in the church? They said only 20% of the people in churches give. That's an economic problem. Do you all know that? 20%? Now, what's interesting to me is, Pastor George, people will pay the government taxes before they pay God. The government said, I'm going to charge you 23% in taxes. And it goes up. And we, we, are so, we, we are so in order, or we are so submitted to that, we'll even tell the government, you can take it out of my check before I even get it. God only asks you for 10%, and you won't even give him that. And he's the one who can bless you. What's wrong with you? You don't bump your head. You crazy or something? And now you understand why the blessings of God's not flowing in your life. Because you're messing up the economy of the kingdom of God. A place where there's not enough room to receive it. It has an army. And just listen, you are not a part of that army. I don't care how much songs you sing. Talking about I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. You are not a part of the army of God. You in the closet talking about you're doing warfare. <laughs> you're not a part of the army. The Bible tells you that it has its own army. It don't need you. Right now, the United States of America, they don't need you to fight. They got an army. Are you out there on the battlefield? God got some angels out there. One angel could come and take out the whole place. God don't need you to fight. He just needs you to be a good child. That's it. That's what he needs from you. And it has a healthcare system. When the doctors say no, God says what? Yes. Says he's the healer. It has his own educational system. Joshua 1 and 8, it says, meditate in his word day and night. This is a country. Everybody say, this is a country. And it also has its own immigration policy. You know what? God don't allow illegal immigrants in the kingdom of God. If you want, if you want to be illegal, if you want to play church and act holy when you're unholy, you're an illegal immigrant. You either live right or stay out. One of the two. And just like every country, it also has this prison system. And I'm going to tie I'm going to begin to end here because I can go on all day. But it also has a prison system. Everybody say maximum security. Maximum security. Yeah. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? But here's the reality. We die, but we never die. Because it clearly tells us that there's a place called hell where you'll be burning in the fire. So you will be alive in hell, burning for eternity. It's maximum security. Everything in the Bible is telling you, listen, we got a country too. And our laws, either you live by this or you die by this. Either one of the two. God wants you to understand that he wants you to pursue the kingdom. He wants you to understand that his kingdom is here for you to be successful. That his kingdom is here for you to enjoy your life. That his kingdom is here so that you can have a great marriage. That his kingdom is here so that you can help to grow this church and expand this vision. That his kingdom is here for you to be healed. 
for you to be restored, that his kingdom is here for you to forgive. God wants you to understand that everything you need, even if it's forgiveness, is in his kingdom. He said everything. Did he say just some? He said everything you need shall be added unto you. You looking for a husband or a wife? God says, look, search my kingdom. I got a lot of handsome fellas there. Search my kingdom. He said, I got a hot one there for you, brother. But you look in the wrong place. You look in the wrong place, man. Let me tell you how I found my wife. I was pursuing the kingdom. And I just ran into her. I said, oh, Lord, look what I found. That's how it works. You just, you just bump into some things you need. It run after you. You don't got to run after nothing. It runs you down. That's why the Bible says it will overtake you. We do the opposite of what God is telling us to do. And that's why we're not experiencing what he has for us. Everybody raise your hands in the place right now. Say, God, give me a greater revelation, a greater passion, a greater understanding for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Come here, I'll give God glory in the house.